Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that is determined to keep the spirit of Christmas alive 365 days a year, even during the spooky month of October. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. Guys, we are now in October. Fall is in full swing, and we are kicking off our annual spooky months. Yay! I'm going to say it's a second movie in Spooky Month because Christmas Every Day dropped in Spooky Month and that kid was kind of creeped out about being stuck in that time loop. <laughs> oh, there you say that kid was kind of creepy. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not as creepy as this show. <laughs> I had a good week. Anything exciting? We did some Halloween decorating this week. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm digging it because that just means it's almost time to decorate for another holiday. We have this uh, pumpkin chiminea outside of our house, about as tall as Ellie. And for some reason, every time we come in, Ellie wants us to, like if I'm carrying her or something, she wants me to put her down and she says, I'm going to go eat that pumpkin. And she goes and pretends to eat the pumpkin. We have no <laughs> I'm going to go where, eat that pumpkin. Yeah, I want to go eat that pumpkin. We have no clue where this came from or why she does it. But literally, today we were playing in the front yard and she went over to eat it like three times. That's magnificent. <laughs> so, I have my first Christmas decoration now, guys, because it's my birthday over the weekend. And yeah. Sarah gave me the full-size leg lamp from a Christmas story, which we've already discussed. Oh, my gosh. I'm the biggest fan of that film. But the lamp is in my front window, in my window, and you can see it from down the street lit up just like in the movie. So I'm going to show you guys... And then I'll post it on social media for you guys. But there it is over there. <laughs> Look at that thing in all its glory. That is awful and awesome at the same time. We have our well first done, Sarah. Well done. We have our first ornament on as well. Christine got this really cute little vintage. It's a, about five feet tall, and it's a little Christmas tree with four little faceless nordic looking gnomes around it or little elves and when you uh, twist it it plays jingle bells and they all move around the tree it's pretty adorable oh that's amazing yeah that's that's awesome our first christmas ornament or decoration is out as well oh man and we've talked before right we all like the nordic gnomes we do yes they remind me of rise of the guardians right (laughs) what'd you call them tom tomties the swedish ones are tomties yes yeah, I like those. If we have a couple of those that are like coming them. out soon. All right. 
Well, we're kind of delaying this, I think. Well, I am, because I don't really <laughs> want to talk about this movie. Um, as much as I, I do like... Did we ever figure out who recommended this movie? I don't think it was me. But I could have just been Googling. I don't know. It, it was probably me then, because I knew of this movie's existence. Well, then... We're going to have to work out some sort of quid quo pro because I got stuck. <laughs> I don't know how you got stuck hosting this one. If you recommended it, but. <laughs> so for those of you interested, we're discussing the 1974 slasher horror film, Black Christmas, which actually did debut in December 20th, 1974. So it was released in the U.S. under the title Silent Night, Evil Night, not Black Christmas, because they were afraid that audiences would think it was a black black ploitation film. So they changed the title to Silent Night, Evil Night, but then it didn't make money that way. And when they re-released it under Black Christmas title, that's when it made all its money. Well, I wonder... I wonder if part of the problem with not making money is the fact they released it on December 20th, 1974. And I don't think most people during Christmas week want to go out and see a slasher film. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think families gathering together in the car to go for that Christmas experience. Well, Elvis, Elvis Presley, this was one of his favorite films. This was his favorite film. And uh, when he was alive, he used to watch it every Christmas. And after he died, his family still keeps that tradition up every year to honor him. So there you go. There's no part of me that understands that. And it's also Steve Martin's favorite film. So another piece of... I don't believe that. Original riff track, I would imagine. For those of you who have not had the dot, 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 joy, question mark, seen this movie yet? Uh, Let me give you a plot synopsis. The movie was so bad, I couldn't even write one myself. So I snagged one um, from IMDb. It was a user-submitted synopsis by Ed Sutton. So thank you, Ed. It's time for Christmas break, and the sorority sisters make plans for the holiday. But strange anonymous phone calls are beginning to put them on edge. When Claire disappears, they contact the police, who don't express much concern. Meanwhile, Jess is planning to get an abortion, but her boyfriend Peter is very much against it. The police finally begin to get concerned when a 13-year-old girl is found dead in the park. They set a wiretap to the sorority house, but will they be in time to prevent a sorority girl attrition problem? (laughs) Or will the film devolve into one of the most well-known urban legends and just totally (laughs) do it in a worse way? Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, gang, histories. Julia, you want to kick us off? Oh, I mean, I have no history with this. Did know it existed. Found it on YouTube. Not a bad recording, especially given the quality of movies in the 70s. The uncut in the title made me a little nervous, but ended up not really being that big of a deal, which I was happy for because in my experience, an uncut movie from the 70s is usually a bad idea. Um, especially this a was horror a bad idea, But exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um and that's it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even know it existed. But by the time the end of the movie rolled around, I wondered about said trope Anthony just mentioned. I'm sure we'll get to. Oh, yeah, we're going to um, definitely be talking about that. It was uh, everything I expected. Honestly, this is one of the few movies I've gone into with the same expectation I end up with at the end of it. <laughs> Which I think is the genre. <laughs> Uh, So my history with this movie, I saw the 2006 remake in theaters. Um, 
it's quite different from this movie, actually. And you actually find out who the killer is in the film, which we can talk about later on. Or maybe not, because uh, because uh, I'm sure at some point it will be covered if this podcast goes on for years. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So I saw the remake. I had never seen this film before, though I knew of its existence. Um, I saw it a few hours ago for the first time because I've been a slacker lately and I've been waiting till the night we record to watch these films. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I just kind of, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it or like it even. It's just kind of (laughs) what we'll get into what I appreciate about this film when we talk about how it when we talk about it more and it, how it was kind of one of the first slasher films out there and what it kind of inspired. So. It's the dialogue, isn't it? It's what you love. You love the dialogue. And what? If, if this was a non-family friendly show, I would have a lot of quotes. So. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, I didn't know this movie existed. Um, at least I don't think I did. So I don't think I'm responsible for this movie. On a- <laughs> um, I love that. So I didn't recommend it. Which would be a first, because usually Tom has recommended the worst ones on this show. Yes. Accurate, accurate. Um, (laughs) But I watched this on YouTube, courtesy of a link from Julia. Uh, I, too, was pleasantly surprised by the quality. Um, I felt like I was watching, it just reminded me of watching a show on TV as a kid. Yeah. Um, And I am not a fan. I'm going to throw that out there now. So let's get through the credits, what they may be. Uh, it was directed by Bob Clark, who did the Porky's franchise, the movie Baby Geniuses, and more notably, A Christmas Story. Um, it was written by Roy Moore, supposedly a different Roy Moore than the one in the news nowadays, but um, he did nothing of note. The if, if it was the same Roy Moore, this uh, film doesn't help his case. <laughs> <laughs> the cast consists of Jess, who is played by Olivia Hussey, who did 1968's Romeo and Juliet, a favorite of all high school students, I think, since that time. I knew she looked familiar. Oh, yeah. She was, she was in It and the movie Lost Horizon, and had guest appearances on a lot of TV shows like Lonesome Dove, Murder, She Wrote, and Boy Meets World. I'm going to interject there to say one thing about her because this relates to what I said about Steve Martin. When Steve Martin met her, he said, you star in my favorite movie. And she automatically assumed it's Steve Martin. It's going to be Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) And when he said Black Christmas, she said she was in an utter state of shock. That (laughs) that's the movie that Steve Martin came up to praise her for. It's so funny. Okay, it's just no way he loves that movie. Our killer Peter is played by Kier Dula, and I was waiting for killer a... Killer question mark. I was waiting for... Or a is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, he was in the original Thin Red Line, which I did not know the most recent Tom oh. Hanks version was a remake, but apparently. Um, he was in 2001, A Space Odyssey, and he was in, has been in lots of Law and & Order and is the in the 2018 Fahrenheit 451. Barb is, pray, is played by Margot Kidder, which I don't think needs much of an introduction. She is Lois Lane from the first four Superman movies. She had appearances on Smallville. She was in Halloween 2 and the movie Pygmalion. I love Margot Kidder. 
and then uh, Marion Waldman played Mrs. Mack and had nothing else of note to really discuss. Um, all right, so we, we've discussed the, the plot. Basically, a group of sorority girls who are stuck together for Christmas um, end up in this house and are being harassed by a dirty pervert with a mouth to make a sailor blush, calling them and being very inappropriate. And um, there are some deaths, and we think we know who the killer is. Some of us have a, a subscribe to a theory, but apparently some of us don't. Uh, and that's pretty much the plot of the movie. Uh, Anthony, do you want to go ahead and discuss the trope that this launched? Um, are we talking about the slasher film in general, or the it's calling from inside the house yeah. trope? Yeah, I was thinking, well, I mean, first of all, first of all, it was one of the first slasher films, right? So it definitely, and I think it was the first big budget slasher film. It, it was the first, one of the first slasher films, the first big budget slasher film, and the first holiday slasher film. So John Carpenter, who went on to become famous through the Halloween franchise, obviously, loved this movie, and he conceived as ho- Halloween as a direct sequel sequel to this movie initially before uh, he made his own thing. So, um, and you know, you can definitely see how it inspired that, right? Whether or not you like this film. There was, including the point of view shot at the beginning from the killer's eyes. When he was outside of the house. Yeah. That's my favorite quote in the whole movie. They, they re- we go back to that quote a few times. Um, yes, too. I, I will say John Carpenter definitely, definitely, I don't think there's any argument, improved upon the slasher film and, <laughs> um, and sure. included upon the point of view shops. But this film also launched the, not it launched, it took a very popular urban legend trope where the, <laughs> so the urban legend is a babysitter <laughs> is watching the kids and she keeps getting these mysterious phone calls you know either they don't say anything or they're threatening depending on what version of the story you hear and she eventually calls the cops who trace the call and they call back and say get out of the house the killer is calling from inside the house and uh she takes the kids and run and they come and arrest the guy upstairs um and this (laughs) this film uses that trope at the end of the movie and uh I'll just say the urban legend in its two-page short story version is a lot better than what this film did with it, in my opinion. (laughs) Well, you see it coming a mile away. But I wonder if people who are watching this in 1974 saw it coming a mile away. And and I think that's what we have to remember, too. Like, we can make fun of Steve Martin and Elvis and everyone who watched, who really liked this movie. But this was one of the first slasher films, one of the first big budget slasher films. So it was something new to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are films coming who that came out in our lifetimes that when people look back, they'll be like, really, they liked that, you know? That's just my, just, just my opinion. Like, just because of the newness, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. So... <laughs> So I actually, can I uh, bring up a a point of discussion? Because Disco 54, um, listener Disco 54 commented on our subreddit, is this the first Christmas horror movie? And he said there are creases to be made for A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life. 
But is this the first, would you consider this the first one or would you go with something that came before? Would you consider a Christmas Carol a horror story? No. No. I consider a Christmas Carol a Victorian ghost story. Yeah, I agree with that. And those aren't made to be horror. Like that that genre wasn't made to be horror. Um, and it wasn't really, to, I, I mean, like Dickens wasn't trying to scare you. He was really trying to drive home that we need to be better than what we are, right? Right. <laughs> I just wanted to, so would you consider this the first, as far as you know, big Christmas horror story? For sure. As far yeah, as I know. Yeah, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Okay, I agree. And for the record, I'm not saying Disco 54 considered either of those Christmas Carol Arts and Wonderful Life horror. He just said there were arguments to be made for it. So Right. Interesting. This movie did have me wanting to watch Krampus again because there is a Christmas horror movie. Because I will argue this is not a Christmas horror movie. I'll, I'll say this. The remake is much more Christmassy than this film was. Uh-huh. Really? That's good. This one had no elements of Christmas. I mean, it had the original singing of Silent Night at the beginning. A few decorations here and there, but I found it really lacking Christmas. Yeah, oh, the, that the begin- corn, singing carols. That was unsettling. The beginning made me feel Christmassy. Literally, the first fifteen seconds of this movie. Right. So the the what was funny, and this was a little nostalgia for me, was for one movie. Most movies set in the seventies feel warm to me because of the abundance of like orange and the light was always yellow and all of that. So I can appreciate that. But the Christmas tree in their living room reminded me so much of my Graham's tree that it made me happy for like three minutes. And I'm like, oh, that reminds me of my Graham's tree. (laughs) So that was kind of neat. So did anything in this film actually like scare or disturb you guys because the weird pig squealing on the phone type sounds like they didn't scare me but they like made me uncomfortable the weird calls that were being made yeah yeah Uh, the phone calls were unsettling the the extremely vulgar talk to these teenage girls was pretty unsettling to me yeah so so i want to bring up the vulgarity for a minute um this is the first in my research of this film. This is one of the first '70s films that used um, a certain c word, um, and it's actually it was actually while they left it in the American release of the film, they took it out of the UK release, which makes me laugh so much because now that word is <laughs> like dropped all the time in the UK, and Americans <laughs> are the more prudent ones now, but. Uh, <laughs> I read that. I was like, wow, okay, different time, clearly. Yeah. I just didn't need need it. It's what's funny is the violence in it is pretty tame. Yeah. Like for, especially you can tell it was one of the first slasher movies um, because compared to other slasher movies I've seen, it is exceptionally tame. Well, according According to the director, the original script featured more graphic murder scenes. Much more graphic, but they they pulled it back. Interesting. Um, So I thought it was funny that uh, you take a slasher film like Halloween, for example, which many regard as a classic, right? Mm -hmm. And then you take this film, which negative critical reception at the time, but 
received a critical reevaluation later on is now considered a cult classic. But let's just say, for sake of argument, this is a bad film because I think that's where most of us fall on this, right? Mm -hmm. All the tropes between Halloween and this one are still the same. It was literally the execution and the writing that put it over the edge. Because the teenage girls, you still have... They're all the same stereotypes, right? You got the one uptight one, the drunk, mm-hmm. pussy, mm-hmm. et, cetera, et cetera. They're all the same in all these slasher films across the 70s, 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it really takes a good director, I guess, to elevate that material. Yeah, it is so a slasher film. <laughs> I even wrote that down. I'm like, yep, the virgin dies first. Then you have the completely inept police department that isn't worth anything. You have the total slacker member of the police department, which is the idiot that runs the front desk. Then you have the concerned parent who, are they really concerned or are they just a really terrible actor? And then, yeah, <laughs> I mean, really it is a terrible it is actor. Like, it is like, I mean, <laughs> Cookie cutter. (laughs) Which is what makes these movies so much fun to watch in an MST3K kind of way. Like, I don't know about y'all, but as I was watching it, that's what I was doing. Like when she's at the base of the stairs and she's yelling for the girls to respond to her and her hand, she's like, answer me, answer me. Is that Mrs. Mack? No, that was the main girl. That was Juliet. Jess. Um, oh, Lord. And her accent was really something. I'll say I liked the character Mrs. Mack. I liked the house mother. Although, Just randomly pulling alcohol everywhere she goes. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Bottle, when she pulled that bottle out of the back of the toilet and then she oh. proceeds to drink out of it. Blah. I loved when she opened the B for booze book and opened it. <laughs> and oh my had the pages cut out. That made me laugh. But, um, I don't know the actress's name. Julia will because she's she's about to go into a story about this actress. What's her name? Mm-hmm. Andrea Martin. Andrea Martin, who is the girl with the afro and the glasses in this film. She is in the re- 2006 remake as a house mother, which I thought was kind of cool. She came back for it. Especially because that was after My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Which is where most people know her from, from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. But I was telling Anthony and Tom before we started recording that I listened to Martin Short's audiobook autobiography this year, or his autobiography in audiobook form. And one, it is outstanding. Every single person listening should buy it because he reads it and it's awesome. Um, But what's super interesting about Andrea Martin is she's a comedian by trade initially. She's a Canadian and she was in the 1972 Toronto production of Godspell, which is kind of regarded to being the most popular Godspell out there. It's one of the first Um, with a company that included future stars, Gilda Radner, Martin Short, Eugene Levy, Victor Garber, and the musical director was Paul Schaefer. So like talk about rubbing elbows with future stars when they were teeny tiny little baby people. I mean, remarkable. And she was in SCTV, which is the predecessor to Saturday Night Live with then unknown John Candy, Dave Thomas, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Harold Ramey, and Joe Flaherty. And she went on to be with just 
these ridiculously talented comedians. So she ran with that group when she was younger. So when I saw her, I got very excited because that audiobook is still pretty fresh in my brain and it was neat to well, see that, her in this kind of a role. That's like that. What is, what's that comedy group called in America? Second City? A lot of the comedians yeah. who went on to be big SNL stars or have their own shows on NBC or wherever started off there rubbing elbows before they were, weren't famous. So it's cool how they all start out the same places a lot of the time. Yeah. Have you guys ever been to Second City? Uh-uh. No. It is amazing. Really? really? Unbelievable. Yeah, I went with a group of, of people that I worked with at my last company. We all went to, to see a, an improv day at Second City, and oh, it just blew my mind. They, they were unbelievable. <laughs> um, so back to this movie. <laughs> so I'm going to bring up the character of the cop, the more competent cop. I wouldn't call any cop in this film competent, but uh, <laughs> played by John Saxon. Uh, I think it's funny that he later went on to <laughs> play the cop in A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> and his lieutenant in A Nightmare on Elm Street went on to play the cop in Scream. So all of these <laughs> cop oh, flash the films uh, <laughs> end up showing up down the line. And That's really West funny. Wes Craven actually had backstory for the cop in Scream. He said in his mind it was the same universe as A Nightmare on Elm Street. And this poor guy moved away because of all the events that happened there and then uh, had to deal deal with everything at that time. (laughs) Oh, boy, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, I've got a kind of an off, off, not completely off topic. If you had to pick a favorite pre- 1990s horror film and really doesn't have to be technically pre-1990s just an old school horror film what's your favorite even if it's not even your favorite because it's a good movie but your favorite because when you think of it like what's your favorite did you say pre-1990s yeah i mean just like old school right not like scream or anything like that but like pre I do. I really do love John Carpenter's Halloween, the first, the original. I really do. And I'm super excited for the sequel coming out. Mm. Wait, wait, wait. What? There's a sequel? Yeah, with Jamie Lee. Um, no, and I really like that with this new sequel. They're disregarding the 20 sequels that came before it and just doing a straight up sequel to the original. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> That's a really good um, idea. For me, that question's really hard. Um, really? Yeah. The f- I love Evil Dead, but I consider okay. that so campy, it's almost not a horror film, right? Right, right. Wait, did uh, you say horror or slasher? I said horror, okay. but you can uh, moosh the two together if you'd like. At that point, like old school ones, I sort of lumped together because it's when I was a kid and they were all the same thing. They were. Um, so I also loved The Lost Boys. Yeah, Ooh, which was good one. pretty unbelievable. And the original Amityville, I liked. Oh, I did too. And Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. That one used to scare the poo out of me. My favorite one, Pinnacle, is the is Poltergeist. All of okay. them, like every single one. I remember them like melting into the ground in that underground parking garage in the yes. second one like with mm-hmm. such visual memory that like that is it still creeps me out when i watch those movies 
We're, we're I forgetting. I was not to watch a ton of horror films, but I love Poltergeist ones. We're forgetting the best one, guys. Leprechaun 3, Back in the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are forgetting a really good one, actually, that I didn't mention that I love a lot. The Changeling. What? I never saw that. 1980. Um, George C. Scott. Oh. I think I own it. You should watch it. I don't it. think I've watched it. But the ones that got more... So in the 80s, we started to see these horror films go into a really, in my opinion, a really low point, like Nightmare on Elm Street, Chucky. Those things just became so alien. They all became so hokey. So mm-hmm. I'm going to jump in and defend Nightmare, the first one, because I agree about the franchise as a whole, but I really like the first Nightmare, just like I really like the first Friday the 13th as well. But once uh, they got to... Hol- the Halloween did the same thing. It's just you start beating a dead horse and there's only so much you can do with it. No, absolutely. I agree. Child. Marty always says that he thought that Nightmare on Elm Street's Freddy Krueger, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He always thought that Nightmare on Elm Street had the most effective story to him because he said he attacks when you're asleep and like you're never more defenseless than when you're just laying in bed asleep in your dreams. He's like, that used to really freak me out. Well, <laughs> I can totally see that. Halloween where you can run. You know, well, Wes Craven got the idea for Nightmare, so you can tell Marty this, from a newspaper article about five boys who didn't know one another who literally died because they didn't want to fall asleep because they kept complaining about nightmares so bad they didn't want to fall asleep. So one boy stayed up for 11 days, one ten, whatever. They stayed up so long with so much coffee, whatever, to keep them going. They ended up dying. And he was so <sighs> struck by this idea that five boys who didn't know one another were so terrified about going to sleep for whatever reason that that got his wheels turning and he ended up coming up with the on the street. So, so let me, let me re let me flip that, the, your description there a little bit. Five boys were so scared to go to sleep for no apparent reason that anybody could identify that Wes Craven decided to give them a reason, give everybody a reason to fear going to sleep. <laughs> we, that, we have a name for people like you, Wes Craven. And but I Julia, I, I completely agree with Marty. That idea is terrifying. That yeah. something can kill you when you are at your most vulnerable like that. Yeah. He's always like, zombies, who cares? Guy with a knife, just keep running. <laughs> and he's like, go to sleep. That would suck. <laughs> I really started at a young age, really like liking horror, liking the idea of being scared. Mm-hmm. And I loved R.L. Stein, but I started in like fourth grade reading the uh, classics. I read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I never really lost that love. You know, this another world inside of our own world or something with in Frankenstein's case, something out of the ordinary happening that, that alters the, the way we interact with reality. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's something I still dig. Dracula's is still one of my favorite books. I love that book. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I've never read it. I need to read it. There's so many <gasps> classics I need to read. I know. What I think is funny about horror and slasher movies in general is how it makes every single one of us awful people because we will be watching it and we will make snap decisions like 
don't kill her. Kill that kid. Kill that kid instead. Just keep running. Just run past him. Leave him. Leave him in the dust. You got to run. And like when I watch Jaws, I end up cheering for the shark halfway through the movie. (laughs) I don't know what it is about movies like this, but they turn me into an awful human being. I don't relate. (laughs) I mean, if there's like, if there's obviously, if I'm watching... If I'm if there's an awful character, I'm like, eh. I guess I, never mind. I, I have to say I do, especially if I'm watching another show. I'm like, eh, I'm ready for that guy to die. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I have I have a short list here of holiday themed slasher films that came in the wake of this movie, and I'm just gonna read them off, and I want to hear if you guys have seen <laughs> them. Okay, so Halloween. Yes. yes. Friday the Thirteenth. Yes. Yes. Prom night. Yes. No. Mother's Day. Yes. No. Graduation Day. No. No. Are you serious? But my bloody Valentine. I have. No. <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is another Christmas horror movie. No. No. And April Fool's Day. Wasn't that re- wasn't there a recent version of that? Like in the nineties. April 90s? Fool's Day. Or my so, so th- this list I read out was, were between 1978 and 1986. That's how fast they turned all these holidays. Mm. So it had quali- all I of rem- the quality writing of this one. <laughs> I remember seeing those movie boxes in Blockbuster. Yep. You know, when they used to have, you know, the the picture boxes, not mm-hmm. the blockbuster boxes. And I remember seeing that one of them, had, wasn't there one with like a girl who had a braid down the back of her neck and it was in like a hangman's noose and she had like a bloody knife behind her back. I feel like that was one of them. But that image stands out in my mind because again, Wait, I was not allowed to rent these movies. Huh? Julia, what's, what's blockbuster? I'm joking. I, that was my age joke for the night. Blockbuster was around. Since your birthday was just the other day. We, man, I watched so many of those horror films in college, and shortly after, when Christine and I were married, and Blockbuster did the unlimited movie passes. Yeah. I think I saw every horror film from like the three blockbusters closest to my house. <laughs> there was a shocking. Lack I'm well spent. <laughs> I really was surprised at the lack of inappropriate, barely clothed people in this movie. That way. In this, this movie, because it was in a a because it was in a sorority house, and b the dialogue in the first five minutes. I was like, great, this is going to yeah. be one of those movies that I don't want to watch. And c yeah, c it was a seventies, and d it was a slasher movie. So I was mm-hmm. very surprised. <laughs> That's not at all what I was expecting. So I have a question for you guys. And I always like asking this question, especially when we're hating on a film. Do you guys have any redeeming qualities about this? Did you like anything, whether it's a character, a line, a quote, a scene, a piece of scenery about this film? Well, Julie already mentioned she liked the Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. And I gave you my favorite quote. (laughs) I liked the opening uh, Christmas music, mm-hmm. and I liked the house mom's rampant alcohol issue. <laughs> um, and I found um, what was it, Claire's dad, insufferable. 
Oh my God, I hate it. Her dad so much. Oh my gosh, and, my girl, my daughter has a picture of a boy in his in her room. What kind of place did okay. I send her to? How about the scene where him and Mrs. Mac are sitting down, and Margot Kidder is just going on about zebras and turtles and fornication just to get under their skin, and Mrs. <laughs> Mac are trying to shut her up. And then, but this guy. Maybe they just told him to act this way. Maybe not. I'm inclined to think he's just a bad actor. Because you would have yeah. thought his face would have been changing at least subtly, but he had the same expression on his face, not only for that scene, but throughout the whole film. And the yeah, like even when they the find that kid's body not, in the park. The expression did not say, my daughter is missing. No, no. it didn't. I mean, it which was. Let's, I'm mildly uncomfortable. Let's be honest with the with the slasher film trope, though. I don't think anybody ever really has proper emotions attached to what they're doing. No. Okay. And the way, though, that he, and I know she was flirting with him, Mrs. Mac, but the way he is just kind of dismissive of this woman who is essentially the house mother of the house that his daughter was staying at and would know the best about his daughter's schedule probably or where she could have been. I was like, she'd be the one I want to talk with for like a few hours alone, not just brushing her off like that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I didn't I liked like Margot the movie. Did you really? I did. Uh, I, I thought she played that trope perfect. That is a trope, her character. Yeah. Well, she invented it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't, a, I like Mario Kidder in most of the things she's been in over the years. But she played, I mean, she, for me, was the best actress in the film. And maybe it's because she's Mario Kidder. Not a low, but I liked her bar. character. Yeah. Yeah. She was, I could argue for sure that she was the best one in the movie. But that's not um, a hard, that's not a high bar we're setting. Yeah, up. exactly. That's not a high bar. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. There's something oddly enjoyable to me watching old horror slasher movies. I I can't explain it. Um, I don't like this movie at all for any part of Christmas. But if I were to separate it and put it in my October viewing for, right, like the 30 days of scare and all of that stuff, it would fit right in there. It's something I could sit and watch with friends and completely riff on the entire time and have a great night. So, I mean, it counts for that for me. I don't know if I could watch this around Christmas. I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it around Christmas, but I could definitely see it being like a, you know, cold winter's night type film and I want to watch something scary, pop it on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not necessarily not, the Christmas season, but I it didn't do the scare for me, so I couldn't I couldn't agree with you on that one. Yeah, it was more disturbing than scary. Is that really how phone tapping worked? That's all I could think of was, is that really how that worked back then with rows of phone connections and he's trying to figure out which one it is? Well, I think that's kind of the days where they used to like pull out the, the... Yeah, like a switchboard. Yeah, like an old, like a true old fashioned switchboard. That's what it seemed like to me. I have a story about that. (laughs) So my grandmother used to work at the, my grandmother used to work at the phone company and, uh, (laughs) She, so she, 
who was it? One of my aunt's uh, husbands. I get the sense she's going to be angry you're telling us this story. (laughs) One of my aunt's husbands or boyfriends at the time was, uh, you know, grandma and her mother had met and she really liked her. And she, this woman had relatives overseas. So she was like, oh yeah, you know, call me at the phone company and I can get you overseas. Oh my gosh. For free, or for cheaper at least. So she she did this for months, and she was eventually <gasps> caught. <laughs> oh my gosh! What happened? She grandma, bo- her, grandma got no, fired from the foam company. Her boss liked her and uh, just gave her a warning, but she had to stop doing it. But, oh wow! Oh my goodness! That's a hookup right there. Free right. <laughs> Did you ever think that'd be something that would just be kind of commonplace? No. <laughs> like with my cell phone plan now, I can call Europe or Canada or Mexico mm-hmm. for free. That's so weird. I used to have to worry, yeah. you know, I used to have to worry about calling, you know, a relative in another state. I don't know. Something for, I never deal with. For a dollar more on my plan per month, I can, uh, I have unlimited roaming when I'm in Canada visiting my in-laws. I got that wow. when I was in Canada too. Yeah, it's cool. That it is. is even really cool. even it's just convenient. a couple of years ago, that was a big deal when you'd cross the border, right? Oh my god! When I went to England for school, I had to get like this <laughs> a different phone over there with its own like plan and everything because it's just a hassle. Well, then they came out with most cell phones. Most foreign cell phones now have dual SIM cards. Mm-hmm. To address that, we don't have that here in America for some reason. <laughs> So I have another general horror film question for you guys. The horror films you guys like, when you watch them again, do you still get scared? Is that your pro- like one one of your problems with this film? Because it wouldn't it didn't scare you this time or anything. Probably, I'd say that's valid. The ones so, that real that I really like that endure scare me. Yes, I don't really get scared by movies at all. No, I'm the same way. I did as a kid. As a kid, I went to our neighbor's house when I was far too young. I don't remember how old I was. But they lived a block away, and some kids were watching a horror film. And in this horror film, a man grabs a woman's tongue and cut it out. I still oh. they do not know what it is. But I ran home literally crying and screaming an entire block in my pajamas because, you know, we were not supposed to be watching this movie, and I was – apparently way too young for it, but I still have, that's the only time I really remember being scared by a movie. Wow. So I used to be terrified of horror movies when I was a child. So, and it's so funny because it's not scary. I love the movie still, but it's not scary at all. But as a child, when I, middle school, when I saw it for the first time, Scream scared the crap out of me. I only caught the, opening scene with Drew Barrymore which is the scariest scene in the film in my opinion but I <laughs> I it was late night I was down in the basement watching it I <laughs> freaked the heck out I couldn't I had to turn it off I oh my god I couldn't sleep that night and like I was terrified <laughs> but now like I watched it. I love that movie by the way that original scream, <laughs> the scream. But, uh, yeah but Oh, yeah, I scare easily. <laughs> no, that terrified me. <laughs> Who was the killer? 
Peter. No, wasn't Peter. There's still some creepo in the attic who's going to get caught as soon as they come and find the other bodies and he'll be up there. That's Peter, dude. Peter's dead. Or is he? <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, if it, or if, is he or if, is he? <laughs> if Halloween turned out to be the direct sequel, I think we know the killer is Michael Myers. <laughs> Was that what he meant when he said sequel? Oh, yeah, that's not what he meant, was it? He. This is supposed to be a direct follow-up. Se- Halloween was originally intended to be a direct follow-up sequel when he first started having the idea percolating, and then he decided to make it its own thing. So according Michael to Michael Myers, never sounded creepy like that on the phone and stuff. He just walked really no. slowly at an astounding rate of speed to always catch up to everybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> never understood that. He never runs after anybody, but he's always there. So he's a boogeyman. Um, There's so many things I don't understand about. So in the remake, the killer is a guy named Billy. Okay. Who was abused by his mother and locked in the attic. And his mother, like, it had like a prologue scene almost. And his mother was dating a new guy who couldn't get her pregnant. So Billy, she made Billy impregnate her. Stars in the attic. She she favored the new child and eventually uh, rejected Billy, kept him locked away, and eventually he killed her and her boyfriend and uh, was sent to a mental asylum. And then he ends up breaking out around Christmas. And that's the story. Goes back to his childhood home. Which is now a sorority. Yep. That's stupid. Now that is a story. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I, but I mean, saying that I could see that being the guy that did the murders in this movie. Like, right. that would all resonate and make sense. Not Peter, because he gets unhinged that his girlfriend won't get an abortion. Just, uh... Well, it's it's funny to me how... The original Black Christmas spawned all these slasher films that are much better than it. And then the remake, which is arguably just as bad, um, kind of borrowed the trope that movies like Halloween and A Nightmare on Elm Street, back to the childhood home where this tragedy happened just to kill whoever happens to be so unlucky to live there now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll kick off the ranking and I'm giving this half a point. Oh gosh, I need to look. Sorry. It's a, a point. it's a toss up between no i gotta go lower than that guys i'm sorry i, even, I liked it i even as a, i'm ranking it as a christmas movie though we're getting back to that whole problem we had with that is a problem i get bad we what did you get batman returns well but batman four. returns felt more christmasy i gave it a four True. it definitely felt more christmasy than this that's a good point. That's a good point. See, and this is where very Brady really cooks my chicken. I gave that thing a <laughs> 2.25. And I would rather watch this than a very Brady Christmas again. I don't know if I would not. And I don't know if I'd rather watch this or all I want for Christmas is you. Oh, boy. I gave Batman Returns to six. I'm going to give this a four. Wow. Wait, no, 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 no. Easy, killer. 4.5. Golly, it went up. 
I could, I could, I, I, <laughs> that's what she said. And I feel, dude, I was going to stick with it because I said it, but I'm going to go on and go down to a 0.25. I'm going to come in at a, come in at a 2.15. Which is a 2.3. So I, the reason, and let me tell you why I had to go lower. I would rather watch Santa slay than this. Oh, I didn't even think about what I gave Santa Slay. <laughs> you gave Santa Slay a half a point. <laughs> oh, I would rather watch this than Santa Slay. Okay, I'll be the odd, I'll be the odd one out. So this is a two point three, which places at number thirty three on our list, in between the Spirit of Christmas and One Magic Christmas. Wow! So well, this my poor is Spirit than- of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> one thing we didn't ask. Did this pass the Linus test? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, boy. All right. Those cops just left her in that room by herself with the lights off. They didn't even leave the lights on. She's passed out on the bed, and they didn't even leave the lights on. They're like, let's let her sleep. Let's let her sleep and die. Exactly. You will sleep ineptitude everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I'll tell you what. So we would love to hear your take one on who is the killer in this movie because we're sure you all did your homework and watched this with us and experienced the glory. Um, Come and talk to us on social media. We have access in lots of different places. You can go to our website if all you want to see is our ranking of movies. Um, That's tisthepodcast.com. If you want to see cool pictures we post, you can come and see us at Instagram at tisthepodcast. If you want a mix of everything, you can come to the Facebooks where you can also message us as well. Um, And that is tisthepodcast on Facebook. Um, You can find us on Twitter or really you can find... Tom and Anthony on Twitter because I never I never tarry into that space. That's at Tis the Pod. And if you want to be in the the thickest collection of our chatty listeners, as well as mostly Tom and Anthony and sometimes me, you should come see us on Reddit. You can find our subreddit at r slash Tis the Podcast, and we post lots of junk there, and it's a lot of fun to look through. Um, and that's a great place to weigh in with your thoughts on movies and holidays and questions and all that stuff, too. So come and talk to us. There's actually a really great discussion about last week's question of the week that Tom asked us about... Um, this year's Christmas song in your household. Um, so Disco 54 created a thread. He said last year's for him was the waitress's Christmas wrapping. And I know how Tom and Julie feel about that song. <laughs> um, but he said he's hoping this year something new catches his ear. But a few people responded with what they think their songs will be this year. So I'm just going to read a few of them out because I find there's a nice mix. Um, Spoon 88 says currently his are what are you, his is what are you doing new year's eve i love that song um he they he said he doesn't know it's, it's going to be closer to christmas but probably every version of carol the bells or a trans-siberian orchestra both great choices um geodes uh likes rosemary clooney's white christmas and dean martin's winter wonderland and said those are perfect that's perfect baking music I could not agree oh, more. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yes. 
Jeb Screb uh, thinks what it will be his song this year will be from one of the adverts by John Lewis that air in England, one of the Christmas commercials. Um, and Whoa. apparently John has signed on to do their ad campaign this Christmas. So I'm intrigued. Uh, Albert 84 last year's for him was the Pogue's fairy tale of New York. Uh, he, he likes hard candy Christmas by Dolly Parton and marshmallow world by Dean Martin and said, I don't know what this says about me. It's <laughs> Oh, do you guys do you guys know that that Hard Candy Christmas by Dolly Parton? No. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's just everything she does is beautiful. So, Outrush Outdoors has been hooked on Jim Brickman's Rejoice O Come O Come Emmanuel lately. Uh, isn't that one of your favorite songs, Tom? Not necessarily that version, but that song. Um, I just say I just saved this link to listen to this version, but yeah, so Come O Come Emmanuel is on my my top of my list. By the way, there was a, a sub, there was a Reddit discussion going this week about people's favorite Christmas songs. And somebody started out and put their seven favorite Christmas songs. I listed my seven favorite and only got downvoted. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I don't know if I still, I don't know if it stayed that way, but it was only downvotes earlier. Uh, yeah, somebody downvoted me for putting O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, God Rest You, Merry Gentlemen, Carol the Bells, Joy to the World, Gabriel's Message, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and Love Came Down at Christmas. That got me downvoted on Reddit. Wow, a bunch of heathens. Well, somebody should not be on a Christmas subreddit, A, if they're going to put people <laughs> on a naughty list for liking Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs> and that Reverend guy fell in love with Sia's Christmas album last year. Which, uh, for those who want extra Tissa Podcast content, you can visit us at patreon.com slash Tissa Podcast, where this year, one of our bonus episodes coming up in December will be us covering all of the new Christmas albums that come out last year, which should be interesting, um, given that a lot of new Christmas music is not that good, at least in the minds of the three of us. And, uh, you know, music in general is just... It's interesting. Yeah. Um, other bonus episodes we have coming up, you know, uh, Disco 54 brought up John Lewis earlier. So did Jeb Scrub. And uh, we'll be covering Christmas commercials, both American and foreign, which will definitely include some of the John Lewis ads. Um, I think we could do a whole John Lewis episode. We have the Friends Thanksgiving episodes coming up. Uh, for November around Thanksgiving to drop around Thanksgiving. The Halloween office episodes will drop sometime this month. We recorded that and that's a fun episode for spooky season. And we have great stuff up there already. We have Hocus Pocus if you want something for Halloween. We have the extended office Christmas episodes. Um, We cover the graphic novel Batman Noel which is a Batman Christmas themed story. We have our full Harry Potter episode, and we have an episode in which we cover the movie Clue, which Tom watched for the first time. And we are thinking about covering the Rockefeller tree lighting ceremony for Patreon as well. So lots of great stuff coming up. So check that out. Next week up is 1982's The Snowman, followed by a very 
Supernatural Christmas, which we have a special guest for that we'll announce next week. Also, um, just to hearken what Julia said, if you're not following us on social media yet, you may want to because we have a big announcement coming later this month um, that we're really excited about. And we got some giveaways coming up too, don't we? We're going to be doing giveaways. Yes, that's true too. We got giveaways, announcements, all sorts of stuff. You'll want to be engaged there. And some exciting news for tonight. We are under 2,000 hours until Christmas, only 1,872 hours. Only 78 days. Which is only 11 weeks. Bye, guys. Speak to you next week. Make sure and laugh at it. Okay. <laughs> I'm putting that at the end so people know that I have to tease laughs out of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fake laugh. <laughs>